There's a war going on. You are in it. The best thing the enemy can do is to convince you there isn't a war. And when he's really clever, he convinces you that he doesn't exist. Because if you don't have an enemy, there's no war. And then he's won. But there is a war and you have weapons. As born again believers, saved by grace through faith, baptized with water, baptized with the Holy Spirit, we have a God-given identity. That is who we are. But today we need to ask ourselves this question. Who do you think you are? Because who you truly are, according to God and who you think you are may not be the same thing. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're starting a new series today. Who's happy about that? We can only really start a new series if we do the previous series. Who's shining their light in the darkness? Who, who experienced a shift, a change, a growth as we did that series in their spiritual lives? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That is the point. Otherwise, you know, we're just a social club. But we're not a social club. We're a church and we're going to change the world. We've been given the keys and we are going to change the world. Amen. So we're starting a new series called One, Two, Three, Four. I declare a thought war. <laughs> I caught some of you there. Um, I wish this was my own original idea, but it's a, it's a line that I stole from Craig Grishel's book, Winning the War on Your Mind. But it's, it's so profound, and it's, I think it's important for us to go on this journey. And today's message is called, Who Do You Think You Are? And um, before we get I have a little video I want to play, but before we get there, I want to talk about these things. So the guys from Sons of God will know that we, when we did that first book, or the guys who were there in the beginning anyway, um, we, we spoke about winning the war in your mind. And the book started by saying, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Think about it. It's true, because your thoughts will influence your decisions. Amen? We've read the book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Many of you who are Joyce Meyer followers will know the book, The Battlefield of the Mind. And we've heard a quote from one of my friends who's spoken here who said, Our meditation will become our manifestation, which is so true. It has been observed that our thoughts become our words, and our words become our behavior, and our behavior becomes our habits, and our habits become our character. So if we want to have good, strong character, we need to think 
good, strong thoughts. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but consistently for the rest of our lives. Some of us start out the year well, you know, 1st of January, come on, you know, New Year's resolution, I'm going to think differently, be differently, blah, blah, blah. Week one, you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> you had very good intentions. You thought well for like a day and a half, and then you fell back into old thinking. We don't want to be those guys or people. Would you agree we have five physical senses and most of us who are blessed, all five are working, or at least working fairly well. Um, would you agree that we have a will to choose? Would you agree that we have emotions? Sit, Tanya. Would you agree that we have a mind? Would you agree that we have a spirit? Okay. Now, our five senses... We see, we touch, we hear, um, we taste, we smell. All these things are inundated every day with circumstances, with what we see in the news, hear on the radio, what we see people do, what people do to us. Our senses take it in. What people say about us, what we speak our senses take all these things in, and it's being processed. And where is it being processed? I, I, I wish I knew more, but there's a bit of a difference between our physical brain, the organ, and our mind. But I'm not going to get into that. Let's just say we think here, okay? Each impulse that we experience through our five senses demands a response from our thinking. Would you agree? Every time something happens, I have to think about it. My, my wife was very happy the day that she found out that according to my personality test, I'm a slow processor. She was like, hallelujah, now I understand you better. Because she would ask me questions and say things and I would be quiet for a moment because I'm thinking about it and processing it. And she's like, hello, <laughs> anyone home? <laughs> and she, there was like a lookedum intervallum when she realized, oh my word, I said slow processor, cool. Those of you who don't know what lookedum intervallum is, it means a, a helder oomlik. I learned it in first year of law studies. <laughs> anyway, each impulse demands a response from our thinking. And this is where the battle rages. This is where we wage war in the theater of our mind. Would you agree? How many of you have experienced this on a hectic level? I mean, okay. The problem is many people don't even know that they're in a war. They just, you know, go about their business, go about their day. And they don't even know that there is a war happening. Others have given up. They feel like I'm fighting something, but it's just too hard. I've given up. And they're a, there's their daily casualty of a war in their mind. And some have fought and lost. And now they are lost. Because they try to go at it alone. But we will not be unaware. And we will not let it happen to us. We will not lose. 
Amen? Because why? We have a choice. Every single time that a thought enters our mind, we have a choice. Every single time. Therefore, I want you to say it with me. One, two, three, four, I declare a thought war. Are you ready? One, two, three. One, two, three, four, I declare a thought war. Okay? And I will win. Yes, please. All right. So I'm going to run through a few scriptures. That's our series scriptures. And I want you to really meditate on this, not just today, but every day as we go through the series. Make a choice to fill your mind with the Word of God. It will change you. It will empower you. It will strengthen you. It will change the way you think. Do you believe that? All right. Some of you. Colossians 3 from verse 1 to 3. If then you were raised with Christ, how many of you have been raised with Christ? All right, we'll have an altar call at the end. Seek those things which are above. What is the word seek? Is it a suggestion? No, it is a command. Seek those things which are above. Where? Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Listen to this next verse. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died. How many of you know you died? Say, I'm dead to myself, but alive in Christ. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Amen? Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How do I win the war in my mind? I think about godly, heavenly things. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. Did you know that? For our weapons, hello, Christian, you have weapons. He assumes it in the sentence. For our weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not physical. They are mighty in God. For pulling down what? Strongholds. What are strongholds? fortresses built up in your mind that have set certain beliefs that are not true. But it feels true because it's a stronghold. Or someone comes and gives you their stronghold opinion and you're like, no, you've got weapons that are mighty in God. For casting down arguments. How many of you argue regularly with people who don't love Jesus? Even those who love Jesus. Pulling down, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When someone comes with any argument or lofty idea or stronghold that rises against the knowledge of God, you're like, I'm in war right now. Comma, bringing every thought, bringing every, bringing some of my, no, all of my, every Thought into what? Captivity. 
What is captivity? Hy vat hom vast. Hy kan nie wegkom hier. What is he saying? You have control over what goes on in your mind. You are not a slave to your thoughts. Unless you choose to be one. We can bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Not you, Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Yes, I love the word of God. Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle. Say it with me. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a war going on. You are in it. The best thing the enemy can do is to convince you there isn't a war. And when he's really clever, he convinces you that he doesn't exist. Because if you don't have an enemy, there's no war. And then he's won. But there is a war. And you have weapons. And if you have Jesus, you are dead to self, alive in Christ, and you are a conqueror. You are more than an overcomer in Jesus Christ. And we have the tools. Man, am I the only one that's excited about this? This is like amazing. All right. I want to play you a short video. Make sure the audio is on for the videos again, please. Listen to this. 9.30 Cape Town now. I'm sorry, sir. That flight is... That is a business class ticket. Yes, sir. We could arrange a letter. Do you know who I am? Introducing the rich aroma and distinctive taste of a new premium tea, Joko Gold. I didn't realize. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? There's a gentleman here who doesn't know who he is. If anyone is able to assist him, please report to the information desk. Choco Gold gives you strength when you need it. Who remembers that ad from years ago? I, th- I thought it was brilliant. You either have a healthy or an unhealthy view of yourself. And you will either know that it's healthy or know that it's unhealthy or you will be oblivious. Someone can ask you, who are you? Have you ever had that? Who are you? Most people say, what's your name and what do you do? But when someone asks you, who are you, which is not that I like doing that because it messes people up. What do you mean, who am I? (laughs) Who are you? Who are you really? If someone says, who are you? You typically would say, my name is. I do this for a living. Maybe you'll add, if you are married and have children, I'm married and I have children. But that is not your name. And that is what you do. It's not actually who you are. Some of us may be at a place where we know in principle... And because we hear it often, I am a child of God. I I would know that. Because for a Christian, that is the right answer to who are you? I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I know that's who I am, first and foremost. Amen? 
but it may not be a solid, settled, revealed revelation that formed the core of my identity from where I live every day. Would you agree? So I can hear I am a child of God. I can even say it, but there's no substance or a lack of substance in what it really means. Anyone felt like that before? Okay. Would you agree that all of us have an identity given by our Creator God, our Father in heaven? Would you agree we've been given an identity? Would you agree that this identity is true? Would you agree that it's good? Of course, because He is God. And the Word says that everything that, come, that, that is good comes from the Father of lights. So every good and perfect gift comes from Him, even our identity. Now, let us jump into some scriptures because I just love these scriptures. They're so awesome. Are you ready to read the Word of God? Yeah. Say it with me. I believe that the Word of God is power. Amen. John 1, 12. But as, many, uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Have you been born of God? We're going to have a big altar call today. Have you been born of God? Because Jesus himself here says, as many as have received him to them. So if I've received Jesus, who is he? The savior of the world. If I have received him, it means I realize I'm a sinner in need of a savior. A savior saves me from something. So I need to be in a position where I go, I realize I need you. And then I receive what? what? Who He is and what He has done. I receive it. And when I receive it, that moment is where I die to self and come alive in Christ. And then I receive the right to be called a child of God. Before being born again, am I a child of God? A controversial question. In terms of God creating everyone, yes. But in terms of the legal adopted rights that come with being born again, no. Ooh, okay. Did you understand that or do you need to explain it again? There are certain things. It's like... When you are written into the will of someone, a father who has a big thing that he, uh, what do you call it? Estate that he wants to pass on to his children. Three of the children, let's say he has four children. Three of the children, they love their father, spend time with him. They do what, what he wants. He, they follow his will. One child is like, I'm going to do my own thing. Let's say that child is written out of the will. He fathered that child, but the child will not earn the rights due to a child who receives the father. Does that help? Yes. All right. Romans 8, 
from verse 29. For whom he foreknew, so this is God, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. Woo! Come on. I am the only one excited about this. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. I'm going to show that to you now in Ephesians. He said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. He has a plan for your life. He knows exactly who you are. He knows more who you are than you know who you are. So do you not think you should consult him on who you are? Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. It's past tense, it has happened. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. Just as He chose us. Hy ons gekies. He chose us. We are His. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. What? How is that possible? He is God. He created your spirit before He formed your body and put your spirit in your body. And He loved you and He knew you and He had a plan for you before the foundation of the earth. Listen to why. That. What is His plan? He... Um, chose us in Him that we should be holy and without blame before Him. So your destiny before God, chosen by Him before the foundation of the earth, is that you would be holy and blameless. How many of you feel, truly feel today, I'm holy and I'm blameless before God? Anyone? No hands. That means you don't know who you are in Christ. Or you feel, I still have to do something. I still have to earn something. I still have to, whatever, fill in the blank. Do you think, oh, okay, we're going to get into that. Let me finish this verse. That we should be holy without blame, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has accepted us in the beloved. Oh, this is poetry. And it's true. And it changes your life. Please go meditate on these scriptures over and over and over and over again. Before you put your phone on, before you even make coffee for your spouse. I know, I know, that's sensitive. But before, <laughs> read the word of God. That coffee will taste so much better after you've read this and then make the coffee. As born again believers, saved by grace through faith, baptized with water, baptized with the Holy Spirit, we have a God-given identity. That is who we are. But today we need to ask ourselves this question. Who do you think you are? Because who you truly are, according to God, and who you think you are, may not be 
the same thing. And if you can imagine a graph with a, which one is the Y and which one is the X? I never can remember. AX. Okay. Imagine a graph where it says who God says I am, who I think I am. That line should do this. But if it's doing this and it's not in line with what God thinks of us, we need to realign with who he says we are. Why is this different? Why is it different what God says about us and what we think about ourselves? Because we have, on the one hand, who is our creator and says who we are. He predestined us before the foundation of the world. And on the other hand, we have an enemy, the devil, who walks around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, looking for someone where he can steal, kill, and destroy. What is he trying to kill, steal, and destroy? Hey, come for you, Papa. He's out to kill the children of God. He's out to nullify the kingdom of God. So how would he do that? He will do it with lies. And by any, the main way he lies to us is by sowing doubt. Remember how he got Eve to tempt Adam? He said to her, did God really say so doubt? And then he manipulated the conversation to make her think God is holding out on them. And by eating this fruit, they will gain what God is keeping from them. She swallowed a lie about who God is before she swallowed the forbidden fruit. And it happens to us as well. We will believe a lie about God before we sin. And where does doubt originate? Where do lies germinate? Where does fear start? Where is worry birthed? In our minds. In our thoughts. Would you agree? That's where the lies start, the doubt, the fear, the worry. That's where it starts. I've already mentioned Adam and Eve. I want you to think about Abraham and Sarah. Great setup. God gave them a word. They are old, physically incapable of having children. God says they will have children. They wait a while. The promise of God doesn't come in the time that they think it should come. What do they do? The woman decides to take things into her own hands or actually put them in the hands of the maidservant. It says, Abraham, and they force what God had planned with their own efforts. And they, the, the fruit of that is Ishmael, from where the Islam religion comes. Because she had a thought. She had a thought of maybe we can speed things up. And help God. Have you ever had thoughts like that? How many of you have had prophetic words or promises over your lives and you're like, even given up or tried to force them into being? Anyone? Because we assume that God doesn't know what He's doing. 
Amen? Maybe not say amen to that. We believe God knows what he's doing. Let's talk about Elijah. Elijah had the amazing moment of defeating 450 Baal prophets. We went again in Israel to the place where that happened. And to think about that moment. Where one man of God, he called the whole nation of Israel together. And all the Baal prophets, they built an altar. He said, you guys go first. Call on your God to set this ablaze and burn it. And then they start praying. They start cutting themselves. It says blood was gushing at the way they were cutting themselves, trying to get something out of their dead God. And Elijah said to them, maybe he went to the toilet. He was joking with them. And then when it's his turn, he says, pour water on everything. And then he calls on God. God brings his fire down, burns up everything and laps up all the water. Complete victory. He then kills all, he calls on the people of Israel and says, let's kill all these people. They kill 450 Baal prophets. It wasn't pretty, but it was the righteous judgment of God. Now, you would think Elijah is in a good headspace. You would think he's a conqueror and he thinks like one. But the next moment, he gets a briefie. He gets a letter from Jezebel who was the queen of King Ahab. King Ahab was an absolute horrible king. Didn't do anything God wanted. And Jezebel kind of actually ruled the nation through him. Opened up the nation of Israel to all kinds of horrible things. She sends him a letter that in manipulative language says, I will do to you what you did to those prophets. And he gets scared and worried and afraid, and runs away, and goes and hide under a bush, and says, I want to die. Goes from a complete victory, to I want to die under a bush, in the desert. From one manipulative letter, one person, sowing doubt, sowing a lie. My God will lap up water, and a whole altar, and defeat 450 ball prophets, but yo, one lady, with a letter. Can you see how the devil comes and lies by sowing doubt and fear and worry? Nothing happened to him. He had a battle in his mind when he read the letter. The battle started here and he lost and he gave up and he ran away. Fear, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, all of it. Our world is saturated right now with people who struggle with mental illness. And everybody is trying to talk about mental illness and making it okay. And I understand that we should talk about it. And I understand that we should admit some people have a serious issue and they need help. Absolutely. Definitely. But I have a serious problem with all of us going now, I am depressed. I am this. I am that. I'm speaking that over my life and it's starting to become my identity because my thoughts have become my words my words have become my behavior my behavior has become my habits and my habits have become my character it's not God's will do you think Jesus died on a cross so you can live with depression the rest of your life do you think he died on a cross so you can have anxiety and struggle to speak to people do you think he died on a cross so that you can want so you can have suicidal thoughts no come on people 
I want us to skip ahead to a great example of how we should handle these things. Jesus himself. Our Savior Jesus Christ handled this miraculously well, and we need to learn from that. You, need, you know the story. Jesus came to the, to the Jordan River once again. I was there. <laughs> it's so cool to say this now. And, and he came to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist recognized him. He, he said, John, baptize me. John was like, I, I can't do that. He said, you must to fulfill the scriptures. He baptized him. He comes up. Heavens open up. Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. God the Father speaks audibly. Everybody hears him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. What is he doing? He's giving Jesus identity. He's speaking identity over him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The next verse in most of the Gospels says the following. Then the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Say what? Yes. And he led him into the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days. Did you know the human body cannot go without water for three to four days? You can fast for up to 40, but you'll get, some people won't make it. But some can. And I, I've always wondered how he was able to get water in the desert. It doesn't specifically say. I like to think that he knew the plants so well that he knew how to get water from them. But anyway. So he's there for 40 days. When he is at his weakest, at his weakest, the enemy comes. How many of you know this is true? Every time. Man, I'm at my weakest. I'm tired. Maybe I'm hungry. Maybe I'm all these things that put me in a state where I'm not completely aware and I'm not doing well. The enemy comes with what? A thought that tempt you. And this is what happens here. Satan comes. He knows Jesus is hungry because he's 100% man, 100% God. But in that moment, he's a hungry man. He says to him, if you are the son of God, you see his tactic? He goes for the identity. What happened 40 days earlier? Jesus, God himself said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The first temptation, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus responds with, no, I don't know if I really, you know, ah, well, let me think about it. No. Jesus knows who he is. And he knows the scriptures. Did you know he doesn't know the scriptures because he just was downloaded like the matrix? He went to the synagogue every week and read them. Since he was 12, 13, maybe even before that. He knew it because he read it. Jesus was our example in every area of our lives. So when the devil came with temptation, his body is weak, his mind is racing, probably the only thing that comes out of his mouth is, it is written that man shall not live from bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what proceeded from God's mouth 40 days before that? This is my son. 
in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved son. Then the, dev- the devils go like, oof, I need a new tactic. So he uses Scripture. Did you know the devil knows the Bible better than most Christians? <laughs> he knows it, and he will use it against you, and he will make Christians use it against each other. Any, any married couples here ever use Scripture against each other in a fight? <laughs> You being self-righteous right now. The Bible says you should not be self-righteous. Well, the Bible also says, no, no, no. <laughs> and we have a holy fight. <laughs> no, kids, we are just having a loud discussion. No fighting here. And he comes with scripture. He takes him up onto the temple. He says, jump down. The Bible says that the angels will catch you and make sure you don't even bump your foot. It's from Psalm 91. Jesus says, it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What does that mean? Do not knowingly put yourself in a situation that you didn't need to be in and then go, God, help me. That's tempting God. If you know that what you're busy with doesn't need to happen, doesn't have to happen, isn't God's will, and then you go, help me. We need to be careful of those moments. How many of you have planned stuff financially, business-wise? You write out the plan, you have a business thing ready, you're like, cool, this is great. Lord, you can come now, bless this. (laughs) But he wasn't part of the process. He didn't tell you to do it. But now, you're like, oh, shucks, I need God to bless this, please. Anyone? Anyone? I'm going to jump off a building. Please save me. Doesn't work that way. Let's not tempt our Father. Amen? And then the last temptation. He takes him up on a mountain. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I will give you all the authority over these kingdoms if you bow and worship me. Did you ever notice that Jesus didn't correct him? He didn't say, no, these kingdoms don't belong to you. Why not? Because they do. When Adam sinned, he gave his authority of dominion over the earth to the devil. Have you been in worldly cities? Do you think God is running them? No, the devil is. He's the prince of the power of the air. He leads the sons of disobedience, says the Bible. He's running the show in the world. That's why there's a constant battle. So he says, I will give you all these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus had just had about enough. And he says to him, it is written, you shall, um, forget the precise words, but he, he quotes the first and second um, commandment and says, you shall love your God, the Lord your God. Ah, sorry. You will love, you will only worship God and no one else. Sorry, I don't know why I got stuck on that. (laughs) And the devil departed from him and immediately angels came and ministered to Jesus. And then he started his ministry. Baptism, wilderness, temptation, Ministry, first miracle. 
It was all part of being made ready for what God had called them to do. In everything, Jesus is our example. In Hebrews, we read that Jesus was tempted in every way known to man, yet without sin. Did you know that? Whatever temptation you feel you're experiencing, you're like, Jesus won't understand. He will. He knows exactly because he's been tempted in everything. And this is important because temptation is an idea about how to sin. So temptation comes as an idea of how you can sin. Would you agree? There's probably a better definition out there, but this is kind of like, it comes up. Hey, this is a great way for you to sin. (laughs) And then you have a choice. What are you going to, how many of you guys have sinned and went, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't help myself. You always have a choice. The idea comes up to do something that you know is not who you are and you know is not God's will for you. And you're presented with this idea. Being tempted is not sin. Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. What is sin? It's the action that follows the temptation. Do you see that? The battlefield of our mind is where this happens. That is why we need to know we are in a battle. That is why we need to know we have weapons that are mighty in God, as we read in the Scriptures. And that's why we need to know we can take every thought captive under the authority of Christ Jesus. So if we have a thought to sin, what do we do? We take it captive. Now you might ask, how do I do that? Out loud, I find, is the best way. In the name of Jesus, I take this thought captive and under the authority of Christ Jesus. And... Those thoughts are not only necessarily for sin. They can be to lie to you about who you are. They can be about your mental situation, about how you see other people. It can be fear. It can be all these things. But for us, the two main things will be sin. The temptation to sin comes as thoughts. But also, and but I want to add this. Some of the things that you'll be tempted by that doesn't necessarily look like sin is actually, if you think about it, it is sin. Because when anything that is not done by faith, the Bible says, is sin. And anything done outside of the will of God is sin. So when I choose, when I want to do what I want to do, and that includes the way I think about myself. So here's an example. Jesus says to his disciples, look at the birds in the air, the flowers in the field. Look how the God takes care of them. He does that even more for you. Do not worry. You cannot add anything to your life by worrying. How many of you worry? How many of you are worried about what I just said? (laughs) I worry that I worry. (laughs) So you've just admitted that you sin. Jesus says, don't worry. I'm like, but I worry. You sinning. So what do I need to do? And he goes, Lord, I don't want to sin. But this situation or this thing is happening or whatever is going on, it's causing me to want to go into a direction of worry. What is worry? Where does worry take place? (laughs) Right? Has what you are worried about happened? No. 
you are meditating on something that might go wrong that has not gone wrong. It is the opposite of faith. What is faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right? But I'm making up stuff that doesn't exist as if it does exist, and I'm putting energy and effort into thinking about it. And if I think about it long enough, I'm going to start to say it. And if I say it, it's going to happen. And then I'm going to go, see, I get most gezegd, it's going to happen. Ja, want jij het gesprek. It started here, it came down here, and then it will, you know, it came out. Janni, moet niet op haar meer lopen. Jij gaat afval. Zien, ik het moest gaan. Zien, jij gaat afval. Hello? Can we change our language to speaking life over ourselves and those close to us and into situations? You don't believe me? The Bible says that life and death lies in the power of the tongue. Life and death. Don't be that person that goes, I can't watch Imagine you can go, I told you that you will be blessed. Remember, I prophesied over this business that it will be successful. Remember? Let's be those people. We will always be faced with choosing between living the way God says we should live, which is based on how he sees us and our true identity and stepping away from who we really are in Christ and doing something contrary to who we are in Christ. That is why I'm so grateful for wise counsel. When we were starting out as parents, people told us one of the main things you do with your child is to separate this child's identity from his behavior. To say that you are my son and I love you. You are called, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. This is the way that you behave because that is who you are. When you do this thing that I told you not to do, this is not who you are. And I need to show you that this is not who you are. And if you continue to do the things that are not who you are, I will discipline you. I will discipline the hell out of you. Because we are all born in sin. The Bible says everyone is born in sin. If you have a child, you know this. Your child doesn't come out doing everything right. You have to train them. And the best, part to tra- best way to train them is to tell them who they are. Not what they shouldn't do. I'm telling you who you are. When you do something outside of the character of who you are, I will point that out to you and I will remind you who you are. And that is what Jesus does with us. You are all those scriptures that I read. You have been called. You have been chosen. You have been made blameless and holy before God. That is where I want you to walk. But the enemy will come and he will try and make you think that's not who you are. And then you will start acting like someone that you are not. And then if you do that enough and say that enough because you think that enough, you will start living a false identity thinking that is your identity. That is why we have clueless people going around telling everyone, my truth. What? There's just one truth. You have a unique identity, yes, 
But when you start a sentence with my truth and it contradicts the word of God, then your truth is not true and you're living a lie. Hectic, negative thoughts that are not dealt with can eventually lead to severe anxiety and depression, which can cause our thoughts to become suicidal in nature. The underlying being that it would be better if I were dead. No one would miss me anyway. Many people struggle with this lie, and it's getting worse and worse. I want you to remind you of the enemy's mandate to steal, kill, and destroy. What? Us. If he can convince you to do it for him, he has won. Don't let him win. The enemy's strategy usually involves trying to use another's pain to inflict pain on us, which then causes a wound, typically rejection, abandonment, or fear, which then harbors unforgiveness and bitterness inside of us towards that person. The wound and the unforgiveness gives the enemy an open door into our lives to lie to us, yes, legal ground, to lie to us about who we are, which is what? What God says. So he comes for our true identity. If he can tear down your true identity and put a stronghold in the place of it that's not true, you will start living accordingly. You see, our identity and our purpose is set by God, but it can be derailed by wound-based lies. Why? Because we are not the sum total of what happens to us in life. Let me say that again. We are not the sum total of what happens to us in life. We are the sum total of how we choose to react to what happens to us in life. Now, some will say, Shame, a small child doesn't have a choice when things happen to them done by other people. And I understand why they would say that. And as, un- and as controversial and as insensitive as this may sound, the child still had a choice in that moment. What was done to them, they didn't have a choice about. But how they react to that, they do have a choice about. And yes, because of immaturity and being young, probably chose to go the hurt route the rejection route, the abandonment route, and fear and unforgiveness and bitterness came in. Unfortunately, and that sucks. But a choice was made. The good news is the choice can be changed. When we come to the true realization of who we are in Christ, and we start meditating on that rather than what happened to us. Because if I keep meditating on my wounds and my hurt and the perpetrator, I will live that life. And I will think that is who I am. We have a God that has set us free from sin, from brokenness, from this woke, obsessed world. Thank Jesus. We have an almighty personal Lord and Savior who has become death who has over sorry who has overcome death and the devil so that we don't have to that through him we have forgiveness of our sins and through him we have healing and through him we can know who we are and think the right way so how do we do this how 
What is our plan of action on how to live victoriously? How many of you want to live a victorious life up here so that it manifests out there? Amen? Step one, know the king of the winning team. Know the king of the winning team. What is salvation? I think many Christians don't actually know. It is to repent from being a sinner because I realize I'm a sinner heading for hell. I need help. I need a Savior to save me from eternal damnation in hell. And then I repent of my sins and I say, Lord, I choose you. I receive who you are and what you've done. Then the Bible, like I said earlier, says we earn the right to be called children of God. That is now who we are. When I'm saved, because I realize how much God loved me, then I say, I want to love you back. How do I love you back? The word says, do what I say. Why? Because he made us. He knows us best. So his word is the manual to living the best life we can live. Not your best life now. <laughs> your best life for God's kingdom that will continue into eternity. So step one, know the king and get to know him better. Step two, know that you have an enemy who wants to kill you. Be aware of his ways and form a battle plan before there is a battle. There's nothing sadder than a clueless Christian. I don't know what happened. Oh, my word. <laughs> that is why you need to be in a church. That is why you need men around you, women around you, who challenge you, keep you accountable, and help you. So that when you start speaking the negative thoughts that you have in your mind, they can go, whoa, 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 whoa. What you're saying now is not in line with the Word of God and with who you are. Let's just backtrack that. Let's just fall out of agreement with that. And let's see what the Word of God truly says. Are you speaking from that? Or are you speaking from fear, worry, resentment, unforgiveness? Where are you thinking and speaking from? Know that you have an enemy. Thirdly, based on 2 Corinthians 10, know that you have the ability to choose what thoughts may stay in your mind and what thoughts should be taken captive and sorted out. You have a choice. You have weapons that are mighty in God. The question I have for you is, do you believe it? Or do you think, ah, oh, that's a nice verse about something else? No. It is Paul talking about leadership. He is talking in the context of Corinthians 2. He is talking about how his authority is questioned. Absolutely. But how is it challenged? By arguments, by lofty ideas, by people coming against him. And he says, this is how I deal with it. This is how you should deal with it. We have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and arguments and lofty ideas. And every thought can be taken captive under the authority of Christ Jesus. Can you say that? Do you know that? Don't let thoughts happen to you. Control them. Choose to control them. Amen? Now, if you think these things that I'm mentioning, you can't do them, you probably can't in your own strength. I can't do it. I don't know. That is why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He's above what is natural. So when He is in you and you are His temple then you are no longer, I am just a human being, I can't help myself. You are supernatural man. I have the Holy Spirit. I am a son of God. I know who I am. What I just did is not who I am. How I just thought is not who I am. Holy Spirit, help me. 
And also, don't cry to the Holy Spirit every time you mess up if you haven't been spending time in the Word of God and worshiping Jesus. If you've been filling yourself with what the world offers you and you mess up and you're like, I'm so sorry. There's a reason why. Crap in, crap out. I won't use the other word because it's church. It's, it's how it works. Lastly, sharpen your sword daily and always be ready to say, it is written. No, it is written. How can you recognize that something is a lie if you don't know the opposite truth? I need to be able to go with my scripture radar. Lie. Beep, beep, beep. Next. It is written. It is written. That's how we will win. Do you want to win? Or do you want to let thoughts happen to you and then just let life happen to you? No. That's not who we are. We are called to reign in this life with Jesus. We are called to be light bearers. The change is in us because He lives in us. Amen? Come on. And <laughs> we had a lady on the, on the tour in Israel where I've, I've been trying to, the, the theme for the tour in Israel was holiness and a call to holiness. And one of the times, I was, a few times I spoke to them about the power of your tongue and what you speak and what you shouldn't speak and blah, blah, blah. And the day after we prayed for people and there were healings, this one lady was at the lunch table and the one guy asked her, how's your back doing? Why didn't you come for prayer? She's like, ah, you know, I just have this back pain. I woke up with it. It's always going to be there. I'm like, we just saw people get healed. Why? What are you doing? And she's like, it's just how it is. I said, no, you're speaking it. Don't do it. And I went like, how many more times do I need to say this to you people? You know, I did that. So afterwards, she came to me and said, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> Not all people believe like you. We have these denominations and these denominations on the bus, and you need to be careful. I said, do you believe God heals? <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm just trying to get you to a place where what comes out of your mouth is in line with God's word. No, no, but I, I hear what you're saying, but it's not for everyone. <laughs> Okay, a few days later, I did a Sozo session with her daughter, and she got free, and I saw amazing things happen. So I know that there will be an amazing testimony. But the, the, the point that I want to make is I know some of you might feel the same way. You might feel taken aback or offended, or this is not for me. And I, I want you to know that I, I didn't make this up. It's written in the Word of God. So if you think it's not for you, then you have to ask the question, am I a child of God? Because it's for children of God. You have weapons that are mighty in warfare. You have an enemy that's out to kill you. It's true. And what you say will determine where you go. And because it comes from what you think. So we have to change our thinking to come in line with the word of God. So that what comes up here and how we live and how we behave is in line with his word. I'm not manipulating. I'm not trying anything other than encourage the body of Christ to do what Jesus called us to do. Do you hear that? Yes. Amen. Awesome. 
I want to I want us to read these scriptures again. And and I want you to stand up and just let the word of God wash over you as I speak these words of him. So please let us stand in the presence of God and I want you to receive the truth of the word of God. And I want you to know that this is true over your life. Amen. Close your eyes, open your hands. As, a, as just a, a way to say, Lord, I'm ready to receive from you. John 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you speak over us as your children. Thank you that we can stand here today knowing that this is who we are in you. I pray that we will all have a deeper revelation, knowledge, and understanding of what that means. Lord, I pray that the truth of the the identity that you gave us will lead our thought life, will lead what comes out of our mouths, will lead our habits and our character. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.